0: What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Sauce Lab podcast. Still your boy, Jason Schwartz, and I am actually recording right now from my room back home in New York City. I'm back here for Thanksgiving. So glad to be back, seeing the family, seeing friends, getting a chance to just unwind and not have to stress about work and the week and all the stuff that I got going on at Syracuse. Obviously, stuff has not stopped with the NFL I'm still following it like I always have. Last night I just went to a restaurant and watched the entire game of the Steelers-Chargers. Fantastic game. Game of the week. I'll get into that a little bit soon. But during the day, I actually was fortunate enough. I went to the Jets game, Jets-Dolphins. The Jets sadly pooped it at the end. A really bad game and just ugly all around. Bad penalties. Jets weren't capitalizing on plays that they should have. Letting up that ginormous touchdown to Mac Collins was really a stab, and then we kept pushing the knife deeper and deeper. It ended up only being a one-possession game at the end, but it really felt like the Jets weren't in reach the entire game. Sad, but it was great to be with my dad, great to be with my brother, great to really enjoy the game for what it was. We got really great seats, so... I had a fantastic time, regardless of the outcome, but I think we're going to hop right into the games of the week and my awards, and like I do every single week, just talk about the shit that's been going on, so we're going to get right into it. With the game of the week, like I said, it has to go to the Steelers versus the Chargers, an insane game that came down to the very end. Actually, my first supports bet that I've ever placed myself was a little parlay between the Bengals over the Raiders and the Steelers over the Chargers. So sadly, that didn't hit at the end. I was definitely watching it more intently than I had really any other game of the entire season. So I was definitely really excited when the Steelers ended up bringing it back to a tied game at the very end. But I do really just got to tip my hat to Justin Herbert, a guy that even though he has been really inconsistent, the offense has been really consistent inconsistent as of late. And I thought that recently they were pretty much out of the playoff picture. I think that they've bumped themselves right back into the playoff talks. Their offense, Austin Eckler, ugh, kiss of glory. Austin Eckler is so great in the receiving game, so great in the rushing game. I really do think Mike Williams has still taken that fall off, even though he did have 20 fantasy points. It really came on that huge reception to win them the game at the end, which was just blown coverage on the Steelers part. It also gives me enough what I saw out of that game makes me think that the Steelers with TJ Watt and Mika Fitzpatrick, two guys that they were missing during this game, once they get those dudes back, they are a scary sight in the playoffs. At least that defense we know will be. I think Najee, even though he's a rookie, or because he's a rookie, because he doesn't have that experience, isn't going to be so dangerous come playoff time. I think that the receivers are good, but obviously Big Ben is limited and is so bad at evading sacks and evading the pocket and evading pressures and things like that just because he's old and And fat and not so strong or quick or agile and they really know what his moves are going to be so i think that that's the only part of the steelers game that's really going to be limited when comes playoff time but their edge rushing is going to be fantastic defensive line is scary i love their corners i love their safeties just all of it once they're all fully healthy and back to it the steelers are going to be a team to watch they're always in it but the Chargers really came out with it at the very end with that Mike Williams touchdown. Definitely deserving and definitely making me think of Justin Herbert in a brand new light from maybe he's fallen off, maybe he's just had this sophomore slump, who knows, to wow, this dude really is in the MVP conversation. This dude really will be a top quarterback for the next five, ten years in the NFL. And he looks like that franchise guy. He's big. He had probably the best running game of his career. And if he can sustain that those running numbers, golly. he'd be like a better Josh Allen and I know that's so hard to say better Josh Allen because Josh Allen looks so fantastic but Justin Herbert really does have what it takes to be that Uh, Next award, I'm going to go Offensive Player of the Week. Got to give it to the man, the myth, the legend, a guy that's now entering himself in the MVP conversation, in my opinion, with a five-touchdown game, Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts, a guy that you guys know, high on him in the offseason. I actually became a little bit lower when I get dissuaded by the public media saying, oh, Naheem Hines will take touches, Marlon Mack would take touches. And looking back, how stupid was I? A dude that is that athletic and that quick and that good at finding the hole with Quinn and Nelson and that all-star offensive line in front of him. I don't know how I didn't expect five touchdown games to come out of this guy. I thought that he had what it takes, and this game really showed that he really does. He's putting himself into the conversation at top five, top three running backs in the entire NFL, a guy that has so much potential to just continue to climb, 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 so young, find such a great offensive line that's young as well. I'm really excited for what Taylor does for the rest of the season, for what he might be able to do in the playoffs if the Colts somehow sneak in after that big win against the Buffalo Bills, if they continue to just build off. I'll talk a little bit about the Colts later, but just Jonathan Taylor today, great in the receiving game, great in the running game, so efficient with his touches, so many touches, just everything about him. Great, great day defensive player of the week this one i got four guys i know i know it's supposed to be an award where you're like oh it's one guy and maybe i sometimes slip it at two four seems a bit excessive but when you hear these four stat lines you're gonna be like damn really i could be any of these guys the guys that i got to give the nods to are chris jones of the kansas city chiefs the d tackle slash d end they like switch him around Ugh. Fantastic game, by far best of the season, four sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery, really feeding that Chiefs defense and making them look like a very, very, very solid unit. A lot of the time this season, people were saying, Chiefs defense, bottom three, Chiefs defense, worse in the league. I was one of those people. I did agree. But Chris Jones was one of the few pieces that I did know is so talented and can really bring their team back up to where they used to be and he's doing exactly that in this game four sacks is monstrous from an interior guy really just he's a game shaker he continued to get to dak prescott dak literally looked like he didn't know where to go or what to do he did a fantastic job Kyle Van Noy on Thursday Night Football, two sacks and a pick six. Great game by him as well. I mean, the Patriots' defense altogether, I could tip my hat to them. They really played a, an amazing game against an offense that looks completely inept. I'm not sure if the Falcons just suck so, so much now or Bill Belichick is the greatest coach alive. I think it's a really good mix of both, and that the Falcons without Calvin Ridley or Cordero Patterson are a top three worst unit in the league, and Bill Belichick does have what it takes to be a best defense in the league week in week out whoever's on the roster Kyle Van Noy this week really stepped up a guy they got from free agency that they thought would just be a little small piece has actually shown to be a ginormous piece as I had predicted because any Patriot that leaves and then comes back later is always productive every single time Kyle Van Noy fantastic day Robert Quinn of the Chicago Bears four sacks as well and a forced fumble in a very very sloppy, disgusting game against the Ravens that they ended up losing at the final minute, I do have to say Robert Quinn really did step up to play. A guy that's very old, that's looking like he's at the very end of his career, did have an extremely efficient day, was really good at getting off of the line. And kept the Ravens to a very small scoring total, even though they ended up losing, even though it was a very low scoring total on both sides of the ball. When Khalil Mack goes out for the season, Robert Quinn steps up. And I really hope that that continues for the rest of the season as Khalil Mack will continue to be out. And the last guy that I have for Defensive Player of the Week has to be Desmond King of the Houston Texans. I know Houston Texans, this dude doesn't deserve to be in it. When you get two picks against Ryan Tannehill, I think you do deserve to be at least talked about for Defensive Player of the Week. He's definitely, I think, the worst of the four, but two picks really need to tip my hat to him as well. Ryan Tannehill had four picks against the Houston Texans. Really bad showing solidifying the fact of this is probably his worst career or his worst season since the Houston days. I hate to say it because I really was loving the Titans last year, but it looks like the Titans do need Derrick Henry to continue winning. And when they have a skid like that, it's not me, in in my mind, their win against the Rams is obviously incredible. They've looked really good since without Derrick Henry, but this last game wasn't really a blip in a, ooh, we really didn't know what was coming this game. We just underperformed, and we just couldn't get anything started. I think it was, this is a sign of what's to come, and this could be the beginning of the Tennessee Titans' fall, thanks in part to Desmond King and the rest of the Houston Texans' defense. So, Demons player of the week. Chris Jones, Kyle Van Robert Quinn, Desmond King. Fantasy players of the week. That, again, isn't the best player in fantasy because that would clearly have to go to Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, maybe Rogers, uh, maybe Hurts, somebody like that. But it's somebody that really surprised us and came out of nowhere. So I'm going to give this one to two guys, Elijah Moore and Zach Ertz. Two guys that really stepped up and had 27, 28 point fantasy days. Zach Ertz, two touchdowns. Elijah Moore, eight receptions for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Great week from both of them. Elijah Moore looking like a very, very solid rookie, like he's going to continue to be something in this league. And Zach Ertz looking like one of the best, probably the best midseason trade based on the fact that the Von Miller thing hasn't really done anything yet. Stephon Gilmore has been good, but nothing too instrumental and crazy. I think Zach. Ertz has really fit very, very well into that Cardinal scheme, into what they do with passing with the pass happiness, even without Kyler Murray. Zach Ertz definitely put a stamp on the tight end position and said, I'm still here. Do not forget about Zach Ertz. So Elijah Moore and Zach Ertz are my fantasy players of the week. Biggest injury of the week. Khalil Mack is actually now out for the season couple more, Lamar Jackson didn't play this week, Kyler Murray didn't play this week, TJ Watt, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, a bunch of guys didn't play this week. I don't think that there were too many season-ending injuries. Khalil Mack, I know Elton Jenkins for the Packers, a guy that now moved out to left tackle because of the David Bakhtiari injury. He's now also out for the rest of the season, so that's really going to hinder the Packers and what they're able to do, especially come playoff time when they have the defensive ends and the edges ready to pounce and... the Rodgers, even though he is Aaron Rodgers and still has an Im- unbelievable ability, if he has nobody on that offensive line, they are probably screwed. And as of right now, it seems like it. So Elton Jenkins out for the season. Michael Carter out for two to three weeks. That one's really going to hurt the New York Jets. A rookie that was also looking very productive as of late, but who knows what to make of that? Like I said, Khalil Mack out for the season. That one's really the longest one that we have seen so far. And yeah, no really huge injuries to report from this week. Obviously, a lot still linger. A lot are still making teams worse, but none big this week. Team I'm starting to buy. I hate to say it because of what I literally just said last week about my bet. But after the Philadelphia Eagles just slopped the New Orleans Saints, I have to say the Philadelphia Eagles are a team that I am buying. Ugh, It hurts. But with the easiest strength of schedule coming up with only one game behind 500, with the 6 and 7 seeds looking wide open in the NFC, I do have to agree that the Eagles look like their chances are skyrocketing. You guys know I'm not a fan of the Vikings. I think that the Niners still have some holes. The Saints, as long as Trevor Simeon is starting, are probably not as good. We literally just saw the Saints lose to the Eagles and the football team i think are creeping the panthers are creeping but the eagles have been looking great as of late and i need to tip my hats javon hargrave darius slay the biggest one by a landslide jalen hurts looking like a franchise guy three rushing touchdowns this week great on him Devonta Smith looking very good. Dallas Goddard gets an extension, gets paid, continues to churn. Jordan Maialata, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey make up a top three offensive line in the NFL. Josh Sweat is being productive. Their linebackers who aren't even like good are still productive in the tackling category and getting it done in the rushing game. And overall, I got to tip my hats to the Eagles and I'm excited to see what they do for the rest of the season. I don't want to lose my 100 bucks. But I am opening my eyes to them and seeing what's to come. Now, instead of team that I'm starting to sell, I'm going to do the teams that we should stop talking about completely. We're at a point right now where we can start crossing teams off of the playoff contention list altogether. And these are the teams that I've just put a red marker right through and I'm not even going to look at because I think that there is no way that these teams make it. That's the Jets, the Jags, the Texans, the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Lions, the Seahawks, the Bears, the Giants, the Falcons, the football team, and drumroll, the Browns. I know that it sounds crazy, but those are the teams that I feel do not really have a chance. The ones that are at the bottom bottom, I don't need to really explain it. The ones that I probably do need to explain, the Raiders, the skid has started very clearly. The Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater has a ceiling, like I've continued to say. The Seahawks, even though Russell Wilson is back, he's looking like a completely different player since his comeback from his injury, and the Seahawks altogether just have so many holes that that is a team that I can cross off. The football team needs so many weird things to happen. This is probably the the team that I think could make it the most on this list, but still, with the other teams that are above them, I think that they have a better chance. And then the Browns, which is by far the craziest, the one that a lot of people are still saying are in the contention, I think are now solidified the worst team in their division. The only way for them to make it would be to slip up above the Bengals and then also make it as the wild card, being the third team in that seed because I think that the Ravens and the Steelers are both basically locks at this point. So even though the Steelers are currently the A seed, they'll jump back in there. The Browns were only able to win against the Detroit Lions by three points in a disgusting game without Jared Goff. And I have basically got to say the Browns are done. I think they should keep Baker Mayfield out for the rest of the season, tank it for the playoffs, get a better draft pick than, like, right now they're probably at around 16, 17, 18, and I say they can move up to, like, 12, 11, 10. So if they can do that, probably do it. Get your guys for next year. Get Miles Garrett ready. Get John Johnson ready. Get... All the players that you know are going to be back and the rest of them figure out what to do because you have some real questions for this offseason. Do you bring back Baker Mayfield? What do you do with Kareem Hunt? Is it worth it to keep this two monster headed backfield and continue to work like that? Or do you get rid of one and try to get some type of draft pick or compensation that you could then use on the defense or more in the receiving game or something like that? I mean, obviously, I think that the Kevin Stefanski run scheme still definitely can work and would work, but does that mean that maybe they switch it up? Maybe they go a little bit more pass happy. Maybe they go for one of the three big franchise guys in Wilson, Watson, or Rogers, and then switch completely to a pass game. I don't know, but ultimately, Browns seem like they're out of the playoff race. Now, the last segment for this week, I'm going to do a hot take for the week. I am reshaping my Super Bowl bubble, and I have Six teams in it. Yep, six teams. Drumroll, please. This is my Super Bowl bubble as of right now. November 22nd, 2021. The Buccaneers, the Ravens, the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, and the Rams. Those are my teams that are currently, in my opinion, in the race to win the Super Bowl. No Bills, no Packers, no Cardinals, no Titans. That is my hot take, but I think that those six teams are the teams that can win, and the ones that I said would not, do have a chance of making it, do have a chance of going far, but will not win the Super Bowl at the end of it. Just my opinion. Now for next week's predictions. A player to start next week. I've got Nick Chubb versus the Ravens. Nick Chubb. I think that Brown's coming off of that eh week. I think that even though the Ravens will still probably take it and still get the win, Nick Chubb will run all over them, especially with Kareem Hunt still being out. Player to sit this week, Devonta Adams versus Jalen Ramsey part two. It was an insane ma- matchup last time, and I definitely think that Adams will get his, but Jalen Ramsey will get his as well. And I could see a game with five or four receptions instead of the 10 to 12 that you're averaging with Devonta adams so i would sit him uh instead of a player that will disappoint or a group that will disappoint i did games that will disappoint because there's four doozies next week that i think nobody's going to be watching at all i probably will because i'm a nerd like that but the eagles versus giants disgusting jets versus texans disgusting Falcons versus Jaguars is pretty disgusting, and Bears-Lions is disgusting as well. So those are four games that I think that if you're looking for an entertaining afternoon or an entertaining night, I'm not even sure what the times are of those games, but if you're looking for an entertaining game to watch, those are not the ones that you should be clicking on. There are team, there are Packers-Rams, you should be watching that, you should be watching the other games, you should not be watching those four, those are games that will disappoint. A group that will shine too is I think the Eagles, Panthers, and football team's playoff hopes. Because the Saints are going up against the Bills, and I think the Bills coming off of those two losses are really going to try to solidify themselves in a playoff spot and beat the Saints. So that one's going to probably leave the Saints a little bit lower. And then the reason why not the 49ers or Vikings is because they're playing each other. So while one will take a huge lead, the other one will take a huge step back. And with six and seven both being available, I think the Eagles, Panthers, and football team all raise a little bit over the Saints and whoever loses in the Niners-Vikings game for their chances to make that seven seed in the NFC for the playoffs. Now, with my three locks of the week, as of right now, I'm 26-7. and seven. I had another loss last week, but I had some pretty good wins. Uh, actually, I had the Cardinals over the Seahawks, thinking that this would be Kyler Murray's return game. He didn't play, and the Seahawks ended up still losing anyways. So, <laughs> good on me, I guess. 26-7, I still love that record, even though it's now creeping up very slowly over the last three weeks especially. I think I have a loss in each week it's still i'm still very confident in my ability and my skills this week i got some new things to lock in to book cowboys beating the raiders panthers beating the dolphins and bills beating the saints those are three games that i feel pretty confident in and i'm willing to bet some moolah on now that is it for my weekly roundup talking about the past week i'm going to get into my next segment which is just recapping shit that's been going on in the nfl really over the last four or five weeks, I want to talk about what's been changing. Usually my mantra is I'm only allowed to call a take a take and really believe it if I've seen at lowest three weeks of it. And these are just some things that I haven't really talked to you guys about overarching storylines. I've talked to you guys really about blips each single week. But these are 15 different things that I've learned in the la- in the NFL over the last three to five weeks that are really going to affect something later, either for playoff time, for the offseason, for their outlook in comparison to the rest of the league, different things like that. These are just trends and things that have happened consistently over the last three to five weeks that I am now taking as at least close to fact. Some of this stuff could turn around, but this is stuff that has happened for multiple weeks, and I am willing to now really look at it as a serious trend and not just some over-exaggeration Monday. Number one, the Chiefs defense is back to good enough. It's still not good, though. I have seen it now. Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed. I know Juan Thornhill is taking steps up. Sendejo is taking steps up. Uh, just a uh, Willie Gay has been taking steps up. Just some guys on that Chiefs defense, who were really atrocious in the first week, are taking enough steps that now I do think that they will at least be good enough that if the Chiefs offense can go back to similar what it was last season, then their defense can hold them in place to be a one possession away in the final possession type team. They're not a defense that is going to lose it all of a sudden, which is four weeks ago. I thought that they were that bad of a defense. They were so awful that Even if the Chiefs offense was somewhat efficient, they'd still lose the grasp enough that it would be Patrick Mahomes needs to score 21 in the fourth quarter to win. Now I think it's Patrick Mahomes needs to score seven or score three in the fourth quarter to win, which is good enough that they can continue to go on to win. They could go on to do amazing things both for the rest of the regular season and in the playoffs. So the Chiefs defense taking steps up and is back to what it was the last two years. Number two, Micah Parsons, the rookie, let me keep in mind, the rookie can win you a playoff game. Him alone is an athletic freak and can move around the ball enough and can play so many different positions enough that if the Dallas Cowboys offense is clicking on all cylinders, even with the holes that they have on the rest of their defense, with DeMarcus Lawrence out with Trayvon Diggs playing back to average and going back to planet Earth and not being this unbelievable interception guy. He's just a good, solid corner in the NFL, gives up some big plays and has some big plays as well. Micah Parsons, just him, is good enough that he can win you some playoff games. He looked fantastic in this past week. He looked unreal two weeks ago. And I really am thinking that this, he could be the guy that ends up really making a ginormous impact in the NFC Championship game and in the Super Bowl if the Cowboys do so make it that far. Number three, the Cardinals are too injury prone to make a deep playoff run whether it's Kyler Murray, whether it's DeAndre Hopkins, whether it's J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, somebody on their team really always seems to be missing some amount of time. And if they can't get everybody on the same page, all playing the same game every single week, I know that they really have came out and Colt McCoy has been overproducing and their team has been looking good around them and James Conner still getting better and all that. But when you have your guy that's a perennial all, uh, all pro slash MVP not playing three weeks in a row, when your guy that is supposedly the number one most talented wide receiver in the NFL is missing time when one of the best defensive players of all time like those are important pieces you can't just forget about that and they have been in and out and in and out over the last four or five weeks and I think that because of it when it comes playoff time they're not going to have 17 games of riding together as the same pack even though Kyler Murray has obviously been on the sidelines been vocal been active and still been a great part of that Cardinals organization I think that because he hasn't been playing they're a little bit too injury prone to make a deep playoff run. Talking about can't make a deep playoff run, the Chargers are too inconsistent to make a deep playoff run. Whether it's their front seven, whether it's Mike Williams falling off, whether it's Justin Herbert having some unreal games and some horrible games, I don't know. But I just do not see the Chargers this year and the Joe Brady offense going that far. I think that they could definitely make the playoffs, but I think that just based on the youth, based on the inexperience in the playoffs against other teams like the Ravens or the Patriots or the Chiefs or teams like that, it's just going to be so, so difficult for them to make a deep playoff run with even how talented Justin Herbert is. Going to be very, very tough. That's what I got for that. Number five the Buffalo Bills and the LA Rams can easily lose with early blunders. There are teams that I have said, even if you go down 17, if you go down 20, I think two years ago as Chiefs, if they go down any amount of points, I am confident that they will come back. Even though those two teams have good offenses, we have seen now three weeks in a row that if you go down very early, it is hard for them to climb back. That is obviously meaning that you should get pressure in Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford's face early and often, send insane weird packages, and just get them off their ground and make them feel a little bit uncomfortable. And if you start with that uncomfortableness, I think that they don't have the firepower and their coaching staff and all that. Even though Sean McVay and Sean McDermott are two of my favorite guys, the Seans are so great at coaching. I don't know. It really does seem like over the last 3-4 weeks we've seen that if they go to these early blunders, they could definitely just lose it all together and never really have enough momentum to get back. And I think that when it comes playoff times, that same exact mantra could continue. Number 6, the Patriots have a top 3 most efficient offense in the NFL. Not a top 3 offense, but what they have and what they're able to do with their changing of running backs, with their use of both tight ends and four wide receivers with their rookie quarterback who's looking like a veteran who's in the smack middle of his career. With all that, I think that they do enough with what they're given and they are very efficient with it. Even though Mac Jones does throw majority short balls, that's what he does. And he's good at it. He's doing it to the best of his ability and they're getting the wins. So... Over the last few weeks, the Patriots have really shown me that not only is their defense still unbelievable and Bill Belichick knows how to take away the number one option on the opposing offense better than anybody that I've ever seen in my entire life, but the Mac Jones ran offense is just as good as anybody else in the NFL and the only way that I really see it not going so well is if there's a shootout at the very end of the game with six minutes left, Mac Jones versus blank, and that blank could be Lamar or Mahomes or Rodgers or Brady or Stafford. That's the only way that I really see it being not good, but with Bill Belichick scheming, I think that there is chances that that never even happens, that they don't need to have that, and the Patriots come out to a very early lead, and they just need to stain it. And all Mac needs to do is run the ball and do these short screens, these dump-offs, these ins, these drags, and routes that aren't too hard for him, opening up the field so, so much for Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, guys like that. It is a great offense to go with a great defense, and the Patriots are scary right now. Number seven, Jamar Chase is not a top five wide receiver. He's great. He's probably number one or number two for offensive rookie of the year, but that does not make him a top five wide receiver. I fell into the trap of after that game against the Ravens, I said that he was. I was like, when I really think about it, what the ceiling can be how he looks on the field, his connection with Joe Burrow, all that was reason for me to say he's above guys like Keenan Allen, and he's above guys like CeeDee Lamb, and he's above guys like Justin Jefferson. But now I think that I'm coming back to earth a little bit. I think the whole world is, and I think we're starting to realize that Jamar Chase is great, but not unreal just yet. We'll give him two years. Maybe he's in the conversation in one or two years. But as of right now, he cannot be in that conversation, especially after the last three to four weeks that we have seen out of him. Next one, number eight. The Titans defense is above average and is one of the best for the future because of the youth that they have on their team. I know that that's crazy. I know that going into the season, I said that they'd have a top eight worst unit. I know that earlier in the season, I was like, they still suck but I have to give it to them. Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, Christian Fulton, and Caleb Farley, and Kevin Byard, obviously, but he's a little bit older. They are an unreal unit. They really know how to lock down the guys that they need to. They cause a lot, a lot of pressure, especially with guys that aren't so good. Danico Autry stepping up, Rashawn Evans, Amani Hooker, all these guys on their team are really stepping up to the challenge and are doing fantastic to go along. I mean, at this current moment, with A.J. Brown being very inconsistent, with Ryan Tannehill coming off of his four-pick game, with Derrick Henry being out for the rest of the season, you could make a decent argument that the Titans' defense is better than their offense, which is so crazy because going into the season, I said Titans had a top five offense in the NFL and they had a top five worst defense in the NFL, and that's completely flip-flopped. As of right now i really got to give my hats off to the titans defense i do think that they are not going to make a deep run because of the derrick henry injury because of ryan Tannehill's inconsistencies all of that and there just are better defenses but i do think that they have now entered the conversation of top 12 top 13 top 14 in the nfl and i really got to give it to them in that capacity number nine the raiders have caught up with their blunders All the craziness of the Las Vegas Raiders, John Gruden and everything that came with him, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, it really seems like they just do not want to follow the judicial system and cannot stay legal. And... After all these games, I had heard media people saying, oh, they'll feed off of this, they'll feed off of the fact that other guys in their team aren't doing good, and they're like, let's prove them wrong, and I think that it's officially caught up to them, and they are hitting that stoppage that is going to make them really fall off hard for the next coming weeks. They've been really bad as of late, three losses in a row, now nearing about 500 after their 5-2 record, and I just do not feel confident in them whatsoever. Again, not sure what this means for Derek Carr and his future on the team. He actually blamed it all on himself in the press conference, which while it is good to see a quarterback that's willing to put blame on himself, I do also now say, wow, if he's really saying that, there's no way that it's not all on him and he's just taking the blame for shits and giggles. There definitely is something that he sees in the tape that he's like, I'm not doing enough in my part as well. So... Ultimately, the Raiders are really hitting that wall as of right now. I predicted it, and it's happening right in front of our eyes. It will continue to happen, and I think that they have another huge rebuild in store for next offseason. Number 10, Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback. I've said it. It looks like it. With the age of the mobile quarterback, what we're able to see from Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and what they were able to do when their careers progressed and they look like they're aging like fine wine. It is worth it to not have the Eagles be in the front of that quarterback franchise carousel and go for a guy like Aaron Rodgers or whatever and make a good run for this year and next year and then look like nothing afterwards when you could keep this guy on his rookie contract for another two, three years and let him progress and you can make your offense a run-first system, a run-centric system similar to the Cardinals and the Ravens and work off of that. I think that is the move if you are the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that Jalen Hurts looks like the guy. He's very fast, has so much heart, so much tenacity, looks like he wants to win so, so bad. And I love that out of a quarterback. It's the intangibles, like I've always said, that are the number one thing that you got to look for in a player. And Jalen Hurts clearly does have those intangibles over the last three, five weeks, He's proved me wrong. And Jalen Hurts should be the starting quarterback next year and should continue to get his time to develop in the Eagles system and eventually, hopefully, look like a top 10 quarterback altogether. Not just fantasy, because, I mean, if he starts next year, oh, fantasy football, he's a top three quarterback to the moon, if not higher. And But in the real NFL, I want to see him put up numbers where he is making the playoffs. He's great in the passing game and in the running game and he's overall doing good. I think that he is capable of that. Number 11, Pete Carroll should be fired this offseason, no questions about it. Not that he will, because I still don't really know with the Seahawks, and he stayed here this whole time, even when I've continuously rang the bell of he should probably have gotten fired years ago, and they really have held Russell Wilson back over the last few years rather than propelling him forward, even though they continue to make the playoffs. But now it is clearly certain that Pete Carroll needs to go both offensively and defensively. The coaching is not there whatsoever. I think that when they made the trade with the Jets to get Jamal Adams, they thought that they'd be between pick 22 and 28, not pick five or six, which is where they're at right now. Unreal. Horrible for them. And I think Pete Carroll is out of the door at the end of the season. Great career, bad end to it. Number 12, like I said earlier, Browns won't make the playoffs. Based on what's happened over the last few weeks, based on it looks like they're really coming back down to earth, the Baker Mayfield experiment looked like it is just failing at this point. Kareem Hunt being out really takes away a lot. Uh, OBJ being gone obviously takes away a lot. Their injuries on their defense takes away a lot. And ultimately, with how the AFC playoff picture looks, they're the worst team in their division and won't make it this year. Hate to say it, but it really came in the last three, four weeks, and it's looking like that is the case. Number 13, the Colts are a playoff team, whether they make it or not. What I Obviously, they're not a playoff team, but they don't make the playoffs, but they have a playoff roster. They have a playoff coaching staff. They have a playoff caliber, everything. And it's just those small losses at the beginning of the season that they couldn't catch up with is the thing that will hold them back from the playoffs, not the fact that they're not talented enough. I really do like Carson Wentz. Michael Pittman, I think, is a top 15 wide receiver. John Taylor, top five running back. O-line, top five. Darius Leonard, top five linebacker in the NFL. Kenny, the, the corners really step up. Kenny Moore in the slot. I really love DeForest Buckner, Justin Houston, Bobby Okereke, all these guys, Julian Blackman, all these guys on the Colts defense, offense. I love them. I think that this is a playoff roster. They're still very young, and if they don't make it this year and they run it back with the Wentz experiment, they could definitely, definitely make it next year. With Frank Reich and Carson Wentz another season of production together. Michael Pittman another year in the system. John Taylor another year older, another year wiser. I love the Colts next year or this year. Number 14, the AFC West and the AFC North are both better divisions than the AFC West. I'm talking about the Ravens division and the Chiefs division. I know that going into the season, one of my hot takes was NFC West, best division of all time. And it really looks like that is not the case as the 49ers and Seahawks are nowhere near what their predictions were going into the season. The Rams and the Cardinals are still definitely here to play, but overall in the West, all of the teams look like they're at least still fighting and clawing for the playoffs. And in the North, though they're not all fighting and clawing for the playoffs, they're all teams that will continue to make noise and get these weird wins here and there. Broncos and Raiders will always be annoying. Chargers have that upside of a top five offense. Chiefs are still the Chiefs. And then with the Ravens, Ravens I think are really poised to go on a Super Bowl type run. Steelers, like I said, Steelers defense so great. Bengals offense so great. And Browns are the Cleveland Browns compared to the other division, which has the Rams who really do have holes, clearly. The Cardinals who are so injury prone. The Steelers who can't get anything started. And the 49ers who still have a quarterback problem. So overall, they're probably three. They're probably still higher than like the Packers division, than the NFC East than the AFC East teams like that or divisions like that. But NFC West, clearly not the best division in football anymore. And then number 15, last but not least, Russell Wilson will ninety-nine percent leave the Seattle Seahawks, based on what's happened this offseason, and his price might have changed. Just based on the last two weeks, since coming back from his injury, with what his age is, with his mobility looking like it's been down over the last two weeks, with his interception numbers off the charts, with scoring no touchdowns, all of it, Russell Wilson might have a new change. It might not be a... every single team in the NFL is knocking at the door, willing to trade three firsts. It might be now five teams are willing to do it for a a late first or multiple or uh, no, no, it'll definitely still be a first. He's Russell Wilson. I need to come to that conclusion, but based on these last two games, I think a team will be a lot more weary to go out and get him. They're not getting the surefire automatic all pro guy that'll change around their offense so much. And I know that you can test, uh, test a lot of Russell Wilson's not doing good to Pete Carroll and the Seahawks around him, but you could also just say, he's getting old. It's looking like it's probably the end of his career of being a top five quarterback, and now he's probably going to be an average middling quarterback. And that is just something that we've seen over the last three to four weeks that we cannot take a- lightly. It's been a while. It's been week in and week out that Russell Wilson hasn't been the Russell Wilson that we all know and love, and it might be time to rethink what we think of Russell Wilson. Alrighty, and that is it. That is all I have for you guys today for the Sauce Lab podcast. I hope you guys liked it so much. I hope that you guys listen next week like you do every single week. Another great week of NFL. Another thing that I just wanted to say, this season, I know that I'm always like, oh, it's such a close uh, league. All the worst teams are so close to the top. This isn't normal, what's going on this season. This is the most that an underdog team has won since, I think, the 1970s, and it really is an anomaly season, which is so much fun for me as a diehard fan who loves to see parody, who loves to see an open landscape in the NFL. There really are no powerhouse teams that are automatically going to go on and win There are no teams that are automatically tanking and look so atrocious that they just shit the bed week in and week out. Really, none. Even the Detroit Lions, none. Every team looks like they come to play every single week, and this new NFL that we currently exist in is one that I am loving. Last but not least, if the audio quality was a little bit iffy for this week... I'm so sorry. It'll be back to normal next week when I go back to college and I have my whole rig and my setup. I only brought the microphone and the wire, so I don't have a whole setup with the cover for the microphone and all of that. So if it sounds a little bit worse, I'm so sorry. But make sure to tune in next, next week when the audio is back to 100% when we have another week of NFL action to break down and I keep it going like I always do. I love you guys. Have a great week. Have a great day and peace.